Thanks for watching today. I pray the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app, where you can also submit a prayer request. We encourage you to contact us if you are in need of prayer. The devil is a very real being, and in order to flee and resist him, we must know his tactics, know how he works and what makes him tick. When we get into the Word of God, it shows us the ways to protect ourselves against Satan and his minions. Let's see what Pastor Duane has to say in today's message, Know Your Enemy. So today, I want to talk to you about Satan-proofing your home, your marriage, and your family. Uh, whether you know it or not, there is an attack on the family in our nation. Uh, and marriage is, whether you realize it or not, a spiritual thing. In Malachi, God said, but did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? In other words, when a couple gets married, the Bible says the Holy Spirit shows up. And the Spirit of God makes the two one. But so often today in our culture... Uh, we live as if we do not even have an enemy. But in 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, notice he's seeking. He cannot devour just anybody. And then verse 9 says, Resist him steadfast in the faith. So the, the last thing that we want to do is glorify the devil. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, it says, give no place to the devil. But there is one place you must give him, and that is a place in your theology that you recognize he really does exist. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that our real enemy is not flesh and blood, but it is demonic forces. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.11, least Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, if we do not know his tactics, the devil can take advantage of us. So we're going to talk a little bit today about some of his tactics. But I want to equip you to understand the fact that there is an enemy that he is going to attack. And what do we need to do? Especially in our home, God said this in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God... The Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and you shall teach them diligently. So what God is saying is this. In order to pass your faith to your children, your faith needs to be alive in your heart. It says it needs to be in your heart because the truth is we can tell people what we know, but we reproduce what we are. We'll say that again. You can tell somebody what you know, but you reproduce what you are. In fact, the Apostle Paul actually said this. He, he said, we did not share with you only the gospel, but also our own souls. Also our own souls. Now, now, I want you to think about this. If you have a lawyer and uh, he, he messes around with, with somebody that's not his spouse and gets divorced, he's probably still going to be your lawyer. The same thing is true about your banker. But how many know it's not true about a pastor? It's not. And you say, Why? Because you don't teach 
Just what you are, you reproduce. Excuse me, what you know, you reproduce what you are. Paul said, we shared with you our own souls. We shared some, there's a part that's imparted. Now, the same thing is true with parents. God is saying, he's saying, hey, something's got to be in your heart. He says, and when it's in your heart, then you can teach them diligently to your children. But if you're teaching the right thing, but it's not in your heart, it is not going to work. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But, but notice what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, where the kingdom of God, the word of God is sown, and it begins to produce. And he says in verse 19, in the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things enters in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Just the cares of this life. Now, how many of you know we've all got stuff we've got to take care of? But it can't become your priority. How many of you know somebody at your house better be bringing home some money because you got bills to pay? But yet the deceitfulness of riches tells you more is always better. And if you had more, boy, then you would be secure. You wouldn't hurt. You'd be somebody. You know, if you just had more. And when you let... The, 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 the desire or the pursuit of money or other things take the place of pursuing first the kingdom of God. Jesus said that the, the fruit of the kingdom of God will not appear in your life. He said you will become unfruitful. And then he just said other things. Now other things, let me just mention a few. Family, sports, house, car, hobbies, entertainment, pleasure, food, sex, antiques, social media, shopping. I mean, it can be like anything. Now, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but people come to me and say, well, how do you know so much of the Bible? Well, here's the truth. You know everything about the sports teams. You know who the quarterbacks are. You know who plays what. You you know their batting average. You, You know everything about them, but you don't know 10 verses. I mean, I don't mean to meddle, but, but uh, you, you do need to realize it's, it's a priority issue. It's priorities. We need to put the kingdom of God first. It's in Romans 12 and verse 2. It says, but don't be like the people of this world. Others say, don't be conformed to this world or this culture, but let God change the way that you think. Now, one of the times that happens, it, it happens here at church. But you know, it happens when you and I get in the Word of God. The purpose of the Bible is to change the way that we think. And so we've got to have our priorities right. You, you, you're never going to pass your faith on. You're never going to have a home where the peace of God is ruling, where there's the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy, if the pursuit of the kingdom of God is not number one. The only time the kingdom works is when the kingdom is number one, when it is our number one priority. But once understanding that, we need to understand that we have authority. Again, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. 
Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Now, how do you resist him? Well, the same way that Jesus did. When the devil showed up, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. The way that we stand against him is with the word of God. But so often what we're looking for is we're looking for somebody else to do it. In fact, one of the things that people often pray and said, God, the devil's after me. Get him. God, stop the devil. God, throw the devil out. But here's the truth. God has done everything he's going to do about the devil until Jesus comes back. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. See, we, we have the, the, really the wrong concept. We have to realize that we have been given authority. Jesus said something that, that that's to this day blows my mind. He says, the works that I do Will you do also an even greater works because I go to the Father? I'm still working on the works. How about you? Let's just start working on the works and then we'll try some of the greater works. But you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying what I did, you're supposed to do. Now, here, here's, here's, here, I want to try to change the way that you think. Now, you're reading the Bible. You read about the woman with the issue of blood. And she comes up behind Jesus and she's saying, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And I shall be made well. I shall be made well. Touches his garment, and she receives healing. And almost always when we read that, we think, here I come. I'm like the woman with the issue of blood. I'm going to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. But the truth is, you shouldn't think of yourself as the woman. You should think of yourself as Jesus. Because the works that he do, will you do also? And even greater works than these Will you do? We do not recognize the authority and the anointing that God has given us. Jesus said, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. The list starts with, they'll cast out demons and they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In fact, the Bible says, submit yourself to God. James 4, 7, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Not Joyce Myers. He'll flee from you. And the last time the devil fled is the last time you resisted him. And so often we live our lives as if the devil did not even exist. Colossians 1 verse 13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So literally God, how many of you have ever seen Star Trek where you get beamed up? Beam me up, Scotty. It's like God beamed you and took you out of Satan's kingdom and put you, beamed you over into the kingdom of the son of his love. Other translations of the exact same verse say he rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom and brought us into the kingdom of his son. The darkness and the gloom. Another translation says, he delivered us out of the tyrannical rule of darkness. Well, what does Satan come to do? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We have been taken out from under his domain. And everything that kills and steals and destroys, we're supposed to stand against it. We're supposed to resist it. What Jesus said to pray is a great description 
of the kingdom of God. He said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants his will done on earth today, just like it is in heaven. And it's the enemy who's going to come and try to kill, steal, and destroy, try to keep that from coming to pass in our lives. So we are no longer under the dominion of Satan. And we need to resist the things that kill, that steal, and that destroy. Now, I want to talk to you again. We're talking about Satan proofing your home. We need to know our authority. We need to know what belongs to us. What are the things that the enemy brings? And how does he attack? I just want to say we need to be careful about the things that we watch. What are you watching online? Social media, magazines, books. You know, there is the ear gate. There's the eye gate. The Bible says to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. So what are we letting into our heart today? I love Psalms 101. Uh, verse 2 says this, I will try to walk a blameless path, but how I need your help. How many need God's help? Especially in my own home, where I long to act as I should. Next verse. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the works of those that fall away. It shall not cling to me. Now, he's saying you put something before your eyes. It gets imprinted on your mind. He said very often what happens is that is the thing that causes you to fall away. And notice that it says that it clings to you. It enslaves. Proverbs, no, excuse me, Hosea 4.11 says that it enslaves your heart. Uh, you know, the, 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 one of the, the big things that, that's online now, pornography. Uh, the statistics just blow my mind. Half of men, a third of women. That's the one that blew my mind. Are regularly watching pornography. Now, let me just say something. It does not satisfy. It never did, never will. In fact, in Ezekiel 23, it says, but she increased her harlotry. She looked at the men portrayed on the wall, images of Chaldeans portrayed in Vermillion. Verse 16, as soon as her eyes saw them, she lusted for them. What, what pornography does is it only increases lust. It enslaves. It never produces contentment. In fact, it is constantly like, we need more, we need more. You know, we talk about Solomon having a thousand wives. You know, nowadays people online have 10,000. They've got 10,000. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to read you a verse, and I want to talk to you about it. This is Solomon. Now, remember, Solomon got married a thousand times. Now, he had all kinds of things to say about marriage that weren't very good. He's always talking about that, 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 uh, that cranky wife he had. But, but so far as I have been able to, now he's looking for wisdom. I don't know, I do not know, or I do know, there is one good man in a thousand. But I never found a good woman. Now let me talk to you about this. He's got a thousand wives. And he thinks that marriage is sex and nothing else. 
He didn't, he didn't, I promise you, he didn't know all their names. There was never conversation. There was never real intimacy. There was never getting to know that person. There was never sharing his heart and receiving her heart. Because all that he was interested in was sex. It was just a, it was just a matter of lust. But the Bible tells us that when we put things in front of our eyes, that it goes down into our heart. And remember, for your heart determines the course of your heart, of your life. So the Bible says, keep it with all diligence. Make sure that, that you are guarding your heart. Don't, don't be watching things you shouldn't be watching. Don't be listening. Guard your eye gate. Guard your ear gate. Psalms 119.10, for with my whole heart I've sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. You know, but when we are not careful about what we're watching, what we're hearing, when we are not guarding our heart, we will wander off. The Bible says it'll cling to you. It causes you to fall away. Now, I want to talk to you about something else that, that we've rarely, rarely talk about. But I think it's important when we're talking about our homes. And, and I want to talk to you about demonic association and symbols. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the last times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Now I am very aware that in our culture, Many people believe that Satan and demons do not exist, that Satan is just the, the sum of all evil in the universe. But the type, Bible teaches that he is a malevolent being, that he is the enemy of your soul, that he was created as an angel, an archangel, but that he fell into sin and that he has become the enemy of your soul. 1 Timothy 10, verse 20. The things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. Uh, those of you that have traveled very much outside of the United States and in Europe, you, you probably have seen demonic idols, some of them hundreds and hundreds of years old. When we lived in Mexico, not far from where we lived, about 40 miles, was Tula. And uh, you could go there and see these big old ugly idols. And, and by the way, every idol I've ever seen has been ugly. Let me, I'm going to tell you why. Because the devil paints an ugly picture of God. He always paints an ugly, perverted picture of God. But notice it says that when they're sacrificing, they're sacrificing to demons. The thing that got the devil in trouble in the first place was he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted the worship that was going to God. And he has not changed. Uh, people think, oh, these pagan people, they're so stupid. They, they bow down to that idol and they pray to that idol. Don't think nothing ever happens because it does. The Bible says that there is a demon behind that. And that demon begins to manifest and do certain things. In Psalms 106, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They shed innocent blood. 
the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Now notice they're sacrificing to idols, and the Bible says they're sacrificing to demons. In, in Isaiah chapter 8, in verse 18, Here I am in the Lord, in the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, who dwells in Zion. Now, by the way, this is actually a prophetic statement about Jesus. He says, here I am and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are the children. And notice what he says. He says, we are for signs and wonders. We are for the supernatural. The supernatural has not passed away. God has not stopped doing things. And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Now, uh, I, I was actually reading a, a magazine on gardening that uh, Jeannie had a number of years ago. And right in this, this nice magazine about gardening, there is an article about channeling, about being a medium, about how to contact the dead and how to find a spirit guide to help you live your life. Now, let me just tell you something. The Bible says very clearly here, we do not contact the dead on behalf of the living. And by the way, when that happens, it's always what the Bible calls a familiar spirit. In fact, the Bible says about King Saul that he died for his rebellion against the Lord and he contacted one who had a familiar spirit to consult it. It was not Samuel who showed up. It was it. It was a demon spirit imposter. And they're called familiar spirits because they'll be familiar with facts about you and about your dead loved one. And they will try to impersonate them. But it is a demon spirit. The Bible says the living should not try to contact the dead. To the law and to the testimony, to God's word, if they don't speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Now, it is almost impossible now to turn on the television or something on a Saturday morning and not see all sorts of occult in, in all of the cartoons and all the stuff that our kids are watching. In Deuteronomy 18, I want you to listen to this. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations or culture. There shall be found no one among you who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. And worshiping Molech and Baal, literally, they would offer their children in fire. One who practices witchcraft, a soothsayer, an interpreter of omens, a sorcerer, one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritus, or one who calls up the dead. For all of these things are an abomination to the Lord your God. Now, it's telling us here, when it says they're an abomination, these are things that are done through demonic spirits. And because of that, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Divination, it mentions, is fortune-telling. An observer of times is a follower of horoscopes. An enchanter is one who is ensla enslaves through music. A witch, one who tries to control others through spells. A charmer, uh, someone who uses good luck charms and crystals. Familiar spirits, a channeler or a medium, 
a nucamancer, someone who tries to talk to the dead. Um, not, not that as a believer, as a believer, we have authority over all of this type of thing. I, I may have shared this before, but it was uh, several years ago. Uh, in fact, we were still over on 44th Street. We were doing a service, and uh, I actually, at the, at the time, I, I was still up on the platform, <clears throat> and it was during worship, and I noticed a man sitting over to my right in the uh, second group of pews, seven or eight rows back. And during the worship, he's just, <clears throat> you know, and I thought, who knows what, you know. I thought, well, different strokes for different folks. You know, I don't really use, I don't really care. And, and uh, recently at that time, someone had come up to me and they were doing this thing. And I said, what are you up to? What are you doing up to? She said, I'm weaving a glory cloud. And I thought, okay, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, in the, we, we sometimes have some granola Christians, fruits, nuts, flakes, you know. So, so, uh, so there's this guy, and I don't really think much of it, you know. Well, then I start preaching, and he doesn't stop. He's sitting down, but he's talking, and he's constantly doing, you know, different things. Right? And, and people are watching him. And so during my sermon, I'm talking really fast, and I can't be quiet for even a second. I just got to talk really fast like this, because if I'm quiet for even a second, everybody notices this guy, and I'm trying them down, not having to notice that guy. I want them to just notice me, and I want them to hear what I'm saying, but I can't be silent for even a second, because this guy, he keeps on making all this noise. In fact, I'm giving the altar call, and I'm talking really fast like this. If you want to see the Lord Jesus, you know, lift your hand. We're going to pray for you, you know, for the whole altar call. And I'm thinking to myself, why doesn't somebody do something? You know, why don't one of the ushers talk this guy? Why doesn't somebody, wasn't a deacon, why didn't elder, why doesn't somebody do something? You know, well, we finish the service, and then we find out he's a Satanist, and he's trying to cast spells. Now, somebody said, were you concerned? No, I wasn't concerned at all. In fact, the Bible tells us this in Numbers. It says there is no sorcery against Jacob or divination against Israel. Nobody can cast a spell on you if you're a believer. If you don't open the door by willingly doing something, they cannot do anything. And I remember after the service, the ushers came up. Did you notice that guy? And I'm like, did I notice? Of course I noticed. You know, well, we thought about doing something. I said, next time do it. When in doubt. You know, and, and it was crazy because then, then the deacons came, said the same thing. The elders came, said the same thing. But what I want to point out is the fact that there was nothing he could do. Unless we opened the door through an invitation by becoming involved with, with things. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it says, You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet their silver or gold that's on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it. For it's an abomination to the Lord. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. But you shall utterly detest and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. I think it's interesting, in Acts 29, they're preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. And it said, listen, listen, it says, Many of those who practice magic arts, they brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted up the value of them, and it was literally millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. They took their books, they took their artifacts, and they burned them. Let me, let me share a little story with you. Uh, some of you may have heard of Howard Carter. He uh, started the first uh, Bible school college in, uh, in England. He was the general superintendent for the Assemblies of God. Great Bible teacher. 
a missionary came from India and brought him a, a brass cobra and just gave it to him as a gift, and he set it in the classroom. And he didn't know what was going on, but almost instantly, every time he'd give a lecture, half of the students were falling asleep. And he prayed, and he said, God, I just don't get it. What's going on? And the Lord said, uh, brought to his attention, the snake. And they said, what do I do? He said, God said, don't tell anybody. Just go dig a hole and bury it. Dug a deep hole, buried it, said, never had another student fall asleep ever. See, that, that's, that serpent had been worshipped. And because it had been worshipped, there was a, a demonic activity, a demonic force that was tapped to it. And, and in our homes, we need to be really careful not to have things that have been used in the worship of other gods. In fact, it says here that you bring it into your house and it dooms you to destruction. It brings a curse with it. Now, I want to close with a little story here. Uh, Lester Summerall, who pastored just down here in South Bend, Indiana, uh, was a missionary traveling the world. In fact, he lived in over 100 nations as he traveled the world, around the world again and again. He tells this story about when he was in Java. He said he, he arrived in a village and found that the gospel had literally penetrated the whole village. And he said, how did the gospel get here? And they're talking about it. In fact, the pastor is telling them this story. He said there was a young Dutch missionary girl who came as a missionary to this village. And after she had been there for a short period of time, she had rented a, a little house, and the witch doctor came knocking on the door and, and said, he said, you have to leave. And, and she said, what do you mean I have to leave? She, he, she said, this is my village. He says, I'm the one who delivers people, and I'm the one who takes care of the sick here. Because she was preaching, Jesus saves, Jesus delivers, Jesus heals, and Jesus is coming again. And he felt like she was intruding on his territory when she was praying for the sick and when delivering from demon power. And he says, you have to leave. And she said, well, I'm not leaving. She says, I'm here to preach. Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus is coming again. And he said, well, if you won't leave, we'll have a contest. And she said, fine. Close the door. Several days later, there's a knock on her door again. And it's some of the leaders of the village. And they take her to the center of the village where there's a crude platform. And up on the platform is the witch doctor. And she gets up there and says, what's this? And they said, well, this is the contest. Whoever has the most power can stay. And the other one needs to leave. And she said, oh, well, I I'm just here to talk about Jesus. And they said, well, do something. And she said, well, I, I could preach. And the witch doctor said, do something. And she said, well, you do something. That was her mistake. He laid down on the platform. And she said, he seemed to become as stiff as a board and began to levitate about 18 inches off the ground. And she said, help me, Lord Jesus. I came to preach, and now I have witch doctors floating in the air, and I have no idea what to do. And she felt like the Lord said, get him down. And she said, Lord, you get him down. And the Lord said, no, you get him down. And she said, Lord, please get him down. And the Lord said, no, you get him down. And she said, well, how? And the Lord said, with your foot. So she picked up her foot and went, 
boom, put him right to the ground. Everybody's going, everybody in the audience goes, oh. And she said, now what? And the Lord said, tell it to come out. She says, it's going good so far. She says, come out in Jesus' name. He starts to move around, sits up, and says, where am I? And who are you? Now, he had been fasting and praying to the devil for several days for power. And she said, uh, I'm here to talk about Jesus and gives him about a three-minute explanation of the gospel and says, would you like to receive Jesus? And he said, yes. And then she said, and there's more. Would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And he said, are you? And she said, yes. And he says, well, I want everything you've got. Receives the Holy Spirit. Now, when Lester Summerall came, the witch doctor was the pastor. And the whole village had gotten saved. Now, I tell you that to simply tell you this. When there is a contest, the devil never wins. He never wins. It says this in 2 Timothy. Now, as Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses. You may not know this, but Jannies and Jambres were the magicians that Pharaoh had, who threw down their rods and they became snakes. But then Aaron threw down his rod, and his snake ate their snakes. And then he picked it up again, and it became a rod. You know, that is really a picture of Jesus. He became sin, he ate your sin, and then got picked up again and became the rod of God. That's a great picture. But you know, when Jannes and Jannes resisted Moses... So do these also resist the truth? Men of corrupt mind depray, excuse me, disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs was also. No. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's been given a name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, and those in the demonic realm. You have authority. We need to use the authority that God has given us. Say, today, if you realize in your heart you're not right with God, you're away from the Lord, and you say, I want to be right with God, let me tell you the two things God wants from you. He wants you to receive the forgiveness that he offers you, and he wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. And I'd like you to pray a prayer with me right now to receive that forgiveness, and to surrender your life to Jesus. And when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. Just make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Now, thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child, a part of your family, today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, you are right with God. You're forgiven, you're a part of his family, on your way to heaven. And I want to help you keep growing spiritually. And because of that, the desire, I wrote a book full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to give it to you free of charge. Uh, all you need to do is get online, download the book, Your New Life. It's going to bless you and help you keep on growing in Jesus. 
If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, you are making one of the best decisions of your life and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it right there instantly. Or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking by Faith. Or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. If you're in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we want to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. I pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week.